Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2021 Valero, Texas. Open DraftKings picks and preview with Ben Raza from AwesomeO.com. If you're looking for masters, first look pricing info, check out Mayo Media Network for the video, or Daily Fantasy Sports Picks and Bets The Mix. A very short show will be up on that podcast feed, breaking down our initial reactions to the masters DraftKings pricing. But while you're here... You know, rate and review the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast. You want to get into a draw for a couple giveaways for $100 American, straight cash, or maybe some Masters swag. You're going to be posting the pictures up there, but you got to join the newsletter. Takes five seconds in the description of this video and pod, just like the Listener's League link for the Valero Texas Open. If you subscribe to the Mayo Media Network newsletter, you'll be in the draw to win some Masters swag, 100 bucks. We'll have tons of promotions up there as well. So please support the channel by subscribing to the network on YouTube, smashing the like, and joining that mailing list. No spam, I promise. And if you did sign it and you haven't got one yet, um, you know, give it till Wednesday and then check your spam folder, see if it is in there. FantasyNational.com slash Mayo. Get you 20% off at FantasyNational.com with Valero and Masters next week. If you wait till Wednesday, and you want to test it out just get the weekly on a wednesday take your wednesday to wednesday and boom you get both tournaments for the price of one weekly membership and with the 20 percent off seven bucks so you might as well try that out if you're thinking about joining fantasynational.com as i mentioned ben raza is on the line from awesomeo.com the most hectic time of year for you I, i was happy to find out you didn't even know masters pricing had come out yet i didn't i this is just shows where i've been i've been uh college basketball world i shouldn't be in this world but i love to bet world cup qualifiers so i've been in the soccer world golf world but i did not know masters pricing is released that's very exciting yeah so we're gonna get your complete fresh look at it on that other show so be on the lookout for that once again daily fantasy sports picks and bets the mix is where that audio will be you can hit the description and find the links to that if you want to subscribe brand new content every single day up there and always the video is going to be up on mayo media network let's jump into the course it's funny that when a course is completely out of the rotation for a year, you forget about it like completely. And then I start like I went back and watched like old YouTube posts like, oh, yeah, this course, TPC San Antonio, almost 7,500 yards. It's par fives are super long and probably unreachable in two. I think that the going for the green percentage and actually landing on the green is like 9%, one of the lowest on the PGA Tour. Generally, it's around like 22%. So it, it occurred back into my mind. I didn't think about this when I was doing the first look show, but like, why does Ryan Moore and Siwoo Kim, why do these guys always play well at this course? Well, there are three shot par fives, basically. Like, are you good from 100 to 125 yards and can make birdies from there? Then you're going to dominate these par fives. So I went back and threw those proximity ranges in the model. And I think that's what I'm going to hunker down on. Like that plus driving distance is the way that I'm going this week. Yeah, there is something to that. You know, Zach Johnson comes to mind. There's there's several guys on tour that they always play basically any par five with a different formula. And when there's eagles all around, they're at a, it's not like they can't compete, but they're at such a disadvantage, you know, in terms of raw scoring here, it's the opposite. They have the advantage. This is how they naturally play these, these par fives. You get a bunch of them. So uh, I don't think it's any coincidence that those type of ball strikers, those guys who are deadly with the short irons tend to do good uh, here at, you know, TPC San Antonio. 
So what are we thinking for lineup construction? Because if we look at the 10Ks, like Dustin was actually a pretty good value at 11.8 before he withdrew. So that leaves Finau as the highest price guy at 11,000. Spieth is 10.7. Scheffler is 10.4. Hideki is 10.1. And that's it above $10,000. I'm only going to play one of these guys. And can you guess who that's going to be? Jordan Spieth. Hideki. Because no, oh. no one is using Hideki this week. Yeah, that's that's normally what I would say. Uh, that's true. No one is using Hideki. The other guys, I mean. So let me ask you this. Do you think people are going to use Finau? Because I agree. Hideki of these four will be the lowest owned. But what do you think was going to happen with Finau? If Dustin was in, I think you'd actually get a discount on Finau's ownership. But where Dustin is not in, I think a lot of people will look at this pricing. And you, know, you can do a balance build super easily with these names and like the 9400, like 8500. But those are like all the same guy. I think there's like a pretty clear separation between Finau, Spieth, Scheffler, and almost everyone else with Hideki on a little island by himself. So I do think that Finau is going to garner a lot of ownership. Uh, I think him and Scheffler will be somewhat comparable. Uh, and then like Spieth will be more owned than both of them. And then Hideki will be like 5%. Yeah, that, that seems reasonable. I mean, Hideki, I don't know. The irons, at least, you know, it used to be that the putter is so cold and he's still a great ball striker. Then that kind of went away when he really started struggling. Lately, it's crept back. He's had pretty sizable, you know, strokes gained with the approach over the last three events. I'm not worried about the match play, but that is encouraging. I just, he's certainly going to be the lowest stone. And if you do click him, you're saving. So you, you could go pretty balanced starting with him or just omitting all of them and starting in the nines. I, I don't have a problem with starting in the nines at this event. Then he has to fade one of the top four guys actually winning, which, you know, if you just calculate all the win equity that goes into it, I mean, they're more, they're more likely to not win than win if you ran this tournament X amount of times, although they are the clear favorites overall. I just, the one thing that I like about Hideki, you kind of hit on it. Like the irons has still been okay, but the short irons in particular have actually been really good. So the past 24 rounds, Hideki second in the field in proximity from 125 to 150. He's 26th from 100 to 125. And that puts him in a range with guys who you would normally like, uh, who do well in both facets, like Corey Connors does well in both. Ryan Palmer does well at both. Ryan Moore does well at both. Kadira actually does well in both, too. Chris Kirk, like those type of players who I would have projected to play well this week. Not Kadira so much, but the rest of the guys I do. So why not throw Hideki into that mix? Yeah, I mean, listen, doesn't take me much to go to Hideki. It's just, it's interesting. You know, you talked about these four guys. And of course, it's not to say that they can't win or they won't win, but most of them are kind of on a notable drought right now, winning golf tournaments, which is kind of ironic. You've got a lot of firepower up there, but not exactly guys that close the deal too often lately. No, and if you do get a shot with Hideki here, and maybe he won't be as low-owned as I think. People kind of talk themselves into him, but I just see all of the other popular names around him and just be like, who's clicking on Hideki this week? That That's how I'm going to roll the dice. That you know, I'll go like, I'll play 20 lineups. I'll have seven of them with Hideki, and hopefully he can come first or second. That's going to be like the goal this week. Listen, I mean, in tournaments like this where, you know, DJ being out is flat in pricing, and I don't think there's a huge difference between these guys, you're going to get a significant ownership discount now. Spieth is certainly playing a lot better. Scheffler, these guys are Texans too. They're going to get that artificial bump. I think it does help though, so... I get starting there. I mean, I'm I'm certainly going to get over on Decky, but that's more a product of I think people not liking him than me being in love with him. But you know what? That's leverage, and that's easy leverage. 
in the nine Ks, uh, all these guys are going to be super owned except for Matt Kuchar. That's my just straightforward analysis on it. Connors and Hoffman, especially, but Answer and Tringali and Palmer are all going to garner a ton of ownership as well. I particularly like Answer because I do every week because I'm a sucker. I like Tringali a lot. He was my I bet him to win. He's my pick to win, and I like Ryan Palmer probably next out of them. But I think that you can make a very valid case for anyone in this range. Kuchar's especially interesting because finally he has one good week. His irons were actually firing at concession as well. He just had a bad week there. But again, if we're just going to be talking about like you know wedges and short irons, that's kind of Kuchar's game. Yeah, I don't know. I, my life was a lot easier when he was irrelevant. Um, I mean, he's historically he's played his course a ton. He always seems to play well, but I don't know if he's, I guess lately he's kind of showed that maybe he's that's still that same player. I tend to think the opportunity cost is too big because I have interest in pretty much the entire range. Uh, Answer is probably my favorite play on the entire board. Uh, I already bet him. Irons have been fantastic. He's a Texas guy, ball striking. Really everything besides the putter right now checks out for me. So I'm going to look to answer. He's a great starting point. He's an aggressive second man in. Pretty much fits every build that I want to make. That's generally how I was going to start my lineups as well. Hideki, answer, Hideki, Tringali, answer, Tringali, with a mix of Ryan yep. Palmer in, in there too. And that means I probably don't end up getting to Connors or Hoffman, who Paul said in his model were the two highest rated guys. So that terrifies me because he won all the money here last time. But you're going to have to make your choices. Like if you told me that Brennan Steele won this event, I'm not going to be super stunned. Like this entire range feels like the same guy. I think that answer in Connors and Palmer are like a cut above the rest of them, but not significantly. So like they're closer to this range, like in the bottom end of the nines than they are to Scheffler, Spieth and Finau. Oh yeah. I definitely agree with that. I mean, little things, you know, maybe a wave stack ownership. They'll tell the tale. Charlie Hoffman's someone that I'm going to try to get. Uh, again, the irons have been on fire now that he doesn't withdraw works wonders for him. So, uh, it's just a range that it is a lot of similar players and guys that feel maybe a little overpriced as a product of most people already being at Augusta, of course. So you could start with two or even three of these guys if you wanted to be very aggressive. Are you going to be looking into the win stack? Obviously, I'm going to have my update on Wednesday, live chat at noon on Mayo Media Network up on the pod feed afterwards, and I'll try to hammer down on that. But that's still noon the day before the event. The stuff always changes. I'm looking at the win finder right now, and basically what I'm seeing is that early Thursday, gusts up to 35 miles per hour. That sounds like fun. Yeah, that could be an issue. So, yeah, I probably will, and I tend to, I mean, naturally... If there looks like there's going to be a problem Thursday morning in particular, I'll I'll give that a lot more you know weight than if they say like well Friday afternoon is going to be a shit show because by the time it locks we still have like you know 48 hours till we get there Thursday you know I can see only a couple hours before the tea times what it looks like so if it's going to be a problem Thursday morning I probably will build accordingly it doesn't mean I'm omitting those guys but they're certainly going to get a bump down. Has this tournament? skewed the way that we think about stacks in terms of the wind in early AM, uh, AM, PM, PM, AM type of deals, just because that one year, 2015, that it was so pronounced that if you just took blindly took the other side of the stack uh, of like, not the one that I think Dustin and Ortiz were two of the guys that were in the bad stack that ended up finishing well. But if you just blindly taken players from the PM stack, you would have won all the money. I mean, there are elements, of course, the open is the one that, seemingly every year there's like a massive stack and then it it always works the other way somehow uh 
listen, this is a course that wind plays a, a large role. We've seen it time and time again. It can happen. I don't think you want to go crazy. Like if you love like Hideki, I don't really care where he plays. I have a preference, of course, but it, 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 him and answer and guys that I want to target, I'm not going to just say, oh, can't play him now. I just will work it accordingly. Try to make sure they, they check out the proper lineups. In the 8Ks, like I'll probably actually, in terms of the AM PM, if I do see that there's a split, I'll probably just throw in some PM AMs if the wind's going to be in Definitely. the morning and hope to get lucky that way. But in the 8K range, we're seeing something very similar like we saw in the 9Ks where everyone's gravitating towards like five guys. But then there's a couple names that just people are staying away from. So see, woo, Cam Davis, Lonto, Chris Kirk. Keegan Bradley, and even Zach Johnson to a lesser extent, all project out inside the double digits, then no one's going to own Hadwin, Damon, or Fowler. Yeah, I mean, Hadwin is someone that I, I just, I don't know what to make of him. He He's just out of control with the short game. It seems unsustainable, but it's sustainable. I mean, maybe it, it'll eventually smooth out. It usually does. The irons have to be better, but He's kind of an interesting target. I mean, I get why people are going to like Chris Kirk, Zach Johnson. We kind of talked at the top of the show. They do a lot of things that I think is important here. Um, I'm, you don't think people will go to Ricky thinking that like he, oh, well, he just got to win so he can get to Augusta? Potentially. I think that's more of a public play. I think that anyone that generally plays on DraftKings is probably not using Ricky. Yeah, I mean, even I'm not, I, I may have a little, but <laughs> it's just not happening right now. And you can't, you can't win with, his strategy of losing a ball or two around it's impossible. So, um, and then Joel Damon, I, you know, coming off the win, I tend not to play guys that have a breakthrough like that. So I, I get that ownership won't be there, but I probably won't either. So I like Davis Kirk and Keegan Bradley. I also bet all three of those guys to win this week as well. So I, it sounds like our cards are pretty much the same. I didn't bet Hideki, but I have answer Tringali, Kirk Davis and Keegan and Brendan grace. Those are the bets. Yeah, I'm going to be in line with that. Uh, it's So like Cam Davis and Keegan are, are interesting, especially together. They're the same type of, you know, if you're weighing off the tee a little heavier, you can go to those type of guys. Um, you hope that they don't get eaten up by the short game. Obviously, that could be a factor. It's just all about building the right type of team. But yeah, I don't know. Like Domin is interesting. I would love to go there. I just coming off a win like that is always tough for me. And then Sam Burns at 8K. And your boy, Aaron Wise. No one's using that guy either. Uh, but Burns no. Burns is, it feels like everyone wants to play Burns. Everyone wants to bet Burns. But after the recent results, it's like, Ew, I don't know about this so much. Yeah, I mean, his spot, of course, you know, at API, everyone, including me, you know, was saying, oh, here he comes, Bermuda. This is his time. Not his time, apparently. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean... He's another one though. I kind of, I kind of like the, the strategy. If you're going to play guys like Cam Davis, you're going to play Keegan. I don't think it's that big a stretch to go to someone like Cam, Sam Burns, who again, it, off the tee is a strength, can lean on him. Wise is probably harder for me because he's showing a little signs. I tend to think, again, the coastal thing with him is real. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind. I don't know if this exactly is what i want but it is nice to see him flip the putter finally yeah past 24 rounds he's 19th off the tee in this field he's actually fifth from 100 to 125 as well and plays these long par threes over 200 yards really well too uh, he is 27th in the field from 200 to 225 so there's out 
like there's outlier numbers for him that point to his success, except when you play him, he four putts from three feet and you're like, oh, that's not great. Yep, that's that's really where the problems have come in from him. I, I don't I don't know, like because in theory, that would be encouraging because it's like, all right, well, you clean that up and that's something that shouldn't happen. The results aren't as bad as they seem, but it's kind of I might say it's like Ricky in the sense, but it's just always something with him. It was good to see at Honda him at least hang in there. And I mean, he fell down the board, but he still held on for a top 20, which is a, a huge improvement. I'd rather play Burns. I'd certainly rather play Ryan Moore. The problem is a lot of people are going to play Ryan Moore, it would seem. Yeah, it looks like Ryan Moore and Harold Varner in these upper sevens are where people are turning to, and I can't really fault them. I think that both those guys rate out really well. I like Harold Varner in the wind, and it feels like he's kind of getting it back together a little bit. His season has been very underrated so far, I think. It's just you're used to seeing, oh, there's Harold Varner. He's first-round leader. He's not doing that anymore, but he's making cuts. The ball striking is really good. He's not making putts. He's kind of what Harold Harold Varner does well. Yeah. And he scores. Like I know this isn't a week where streaks and bonuses are going to be flying off the shelves, but he's still a good scorer. Usually outscores his placement. Um, and this is just a, a course that I tend to weigh course history a little more than other courses. I think there's something to it. It's more technical. Uh, I like to see that guys, I feel like if you, if you play well here, you tend to play well more often than some other tracks that are a little more erratic. Is there anyone else in the sevens that you like? Because I like Grace. He's $7,800. Uh, outside of a few just really horrendous approach shots on par fives at the players. Like, that's where his week went south. He actually played pretty well before that. He won Puerto Rico. It seems like he's turning back into Brennan Grace. And the last two years that he's played here, he's finished inside the top 10. So I like him. Other than that, I got Johnny uh, at 74, the Gim Reaper at 73, and Cameron Champ at 7000 bucks. And Higgs at 71. What about Johnny Vegas? I should like Vegas a lot, but I can just never get there with him, especially at 7,400 bucks. Like, that's a lot for Johnny Vegas, who just hasn't been playing well. So that it, it is a lot, but for me, Vegas is one of those players. I actually kind of like him when he's overpriced, especially in a, in a field like this, because the upside to me is pretty big. He showed form. Now, Corrales is Corrales, but... He was fine. Um, he does some things that I think correlate better than it would seem. He's a Texas guy. 74, I'll probably put him in the pool. And then you've got <laughs> so you got EVR and Venian at 75. I don't know exactly what to do with either of them, I'll be honest. Uh, EVR is impossible. I mean, he, in the South African ranks, may be above Louie at this point for just... It, it's really difficult for me to gauge, but I still find myself at least interested. Well, there are two guys kind of around him. Uh, EVR did enough for me last week. That was nice of him to win his group at plus 425, so we can just move on from that. But it's Woodland and Putnam. Because Putnam all of a sudden is turning back into Putman and Putnam, who was on that like really good streak two years ago. So he came seventh in Phoenix. He was fifth in Puerto Rico. He was fourth at API. He missed the cut at the Masters or at the players, but that was largely due to a really poor putting performance. The Irons have been erratic, but it's been good some weeks. The putting can be really good for him. Don't know what to make of him. He seems wildly overpriced, but he has a top 10 at this course. He's made the cut you know, each of the past two turns that he's played it, and it seems like he's coming back into form. And then you have Woodland, who talent-wise is just better than all these guys, but who knows where he's at. Yeah, I mean, I think this is where you're you're going to have to start crafting your teams accordingly. Like, I would, Putnam is the type of guy I would only consider him maybe with, like, 
headwind types or if you think that it's going to be, you know, if you can get away with off the tee being weak, got to make some putts. Then you've got the other side of it, like the Keegan, Johnny Vegas, Cam Davis. Uh, I guess you could put EVR in there, those types. I think you got to separate them a little. And then I'm with you, Doug Gim. He's just someone I think you can go to. No problem there. Johnny, huh? maybe I'll look at this guy again. He's he Well, he does what I like in terms of three-shot par fives. He's very good with his wedges. Can be a shitty putter, but who can't? But he hits a lot of fairways. So you can kind of go one or two ways at this course. Like the Bombers, if you keep it out of the woods, and there's not a ton of woods, but you can go OB pretty quickly here and make some crooked numbers, that you do want the guys who can really bomb it. But the other way you can do it, too, is kind of plot around the course, uh, keep it in the middle of the fairway. Like when you when I, I see like Charlie Hoffman and Andrew Landry and Corey Connors are all winners here, like they all kind of do the same thing off the tee. They have like average to slightly above average length, but they hit a ton of fairways, kind of like Keegan in a weird way. Uh, and then just from there, they can let their wedges take over. So if you're going to target that sort of player, you need someone who's good from like 150 and in and huh, is good from 150 and in. What do you think about Bern Weisberger? Like, I, I, there's him, Adam Long, and Gim. I think, like, talent-wise, we're looking at really good players in this lower seven. But I, I just don't know where Burned is at. Like, every once in a while, he's Burned Weisberger that we know from the European tour. He shows up in one of these events and just starts reeling off birdies like he does. And other times, he's, like, plus nine after two holes. Yeah, that's that's again where the issue comes at. He's just someone when he gets going, I kind of conceptually this is the type of track, you know, keep it in the fairway, lean on, you know, short irons, he can do it. He's got to make some putts, no doubt. He's not a strong off the tee player, but he can he can mitigate it by just, you know, you don't need to overpower this course, nor do I think you really can to be honest. So I, I just his game has been tough. I, I've tried to take some chances with him in the recent weeks. It, it hasn't really worked to any large extent. I think at, in this field, though, 72 is a pretty generous tag, even with the recent form. The irons have been good for him at API and the players. The driving has been really poor, but that's also hard to judge. Like, you almost have to take yeah, some of the driving. The water. Yeah, when you're at the water. But, like, this course has the third most triple bogeys of any course since 2010, behind honda and the players and this course basically has no water so it's really tough uh when we're trying to figure and like parse through where he's at maybe you just look at world ranking and be like hey he's one of the best players in this field just use him at this really cheap price tag like that logically does make sense to me yeah again i don't think you 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 can't blindly do that that's how you end up with norn for like three years like i did or or you end up betting lucas herbert at corrales like i did (laughs) yeah i mean but there's something to that i still believe in these you know average to below average fields you can go to some of these euros this guy's got a lot of experience certainly in adverse conditions he's played enough over here where this isn't some strange test i feel okay about that i'm not running to the window but he's going to be in the pool and i think you know kazire kh lee seifert like it's not that big of a uh a justification for playing Weisberger over them. Well, he's 7,200. You might have talked me into playing him both on DraftKings. I saw he was 150 to one to win this tournament, which seems really long for him. Yeah, that's really long. So I didn't may- know that. I'll, so maybe I'll fire on that as well. So you've, you've talked me into feel the burned Weisberger. Higgs is going to be super highly owned. And I kind of, I kind of like it. Yeah, I mean, he's another one. Just A, he's awesome. B, the irons have been fantastic. He outscores his placement. And now we're getting into the, 
you know, you make the cut here. How bad could it really be? So 71, him and Champ, I, I totally get that. Uh, what happened to your boy Luke List? A little vertigo action I saw? Yeah, th- I think that's going to keep me off of him. I think that's what it was. Someone tweeted that at me. I didn't actually see any sort of follow-up on it, but you know, coming off a withdrawal in Puerto Rico, ugh, that's tough. Yeah, it's not great. He will be, I would assume, virtually unowned. Um which is kind of interesting, but I don't. I, it feels a little unnecessary. I'll, I'll tell you, I looked and I, I, I bet this guy last week he didn't win, of course. But Bryce Garnett is someone I looked at. He's more of like a coastal, you know, Puerto Rico type player. But flat seven for him, he does some things that I like. Can get hot with the putter. I just don't know exactly where he's at. Uh, even it almost feels like this is a step up in some of the fields he's been playing in. I actually bet him head-to-head versus Ricky with Jeff at Honda. And Bryce Garnett, <laughs> the champion of that yeah, head-to-head. Uh, yeah, he's been good the past two weeks, but I feel like there's just certain courses where you play Bryce Garnett. Like, you play yeah. him in the alternate events. You play him at Honda. You play him at Mayakoba, and that's basically it. Yeah, there. that's it's true. And that that's where I think this applies almost to this course. Not with him, but to me, there are some guys like that here. Uh, and that's why they're going to be very popular. Champ is the one that I do like solely for upside purposes. I actually think Garnett probably has a better chance to make the cut than Cameron Champ does. But if we're going to be talking about, hey, who's a 7K guy who can win? Cameron Champ's the answer to that question. I mean, we've seen this already time and time again. He's a, well, right now he's a, like maybe the worst putter on tour, but in theory and, and historically from what we've seen, he can get hot with the putter. It happens occasionally. When you combine that for with what he does, his unique skill set, A, it results in massive scoring, and B, it results in massive upside. Now, the game is in shambles. Uh, he's definitely more live to miss the cut than most around here. But I would agree his top 10 equity, his top 5 equity, probably higher. And for you're trying to beat 100,000 people, you got to do something. That's some one way to do it. I think he's more, yeah, of a giant GPP play than like yes. a single entry type play. Totally agree. I think it's... You're incurring a lot of, I would say, unnecessary risk in small fields with him. Uh, He's just very live to to lose four or five strokes putting in two days, and that's a a quick exit. Let me see this. I didn't even see this. TPC San Antonio Championship at the Oaks, which I assume is either this course or one of them that's on this property, was on the Corn Ferry Tour last year. I was just looking at Grayson Sig. You know, I'm, I'm all in on that name, obviously. Of course. But I'm trying to see who is in that field. Oh, your boy, Ben Martin, top 10. Did anyone play? No, no one is really in this field who did anything. Sig missed the cut at that event. Zalatoris played well. Davis Riley, your boy, he ended up winning that event. Paul Baljean from France was T2. Yeah, he looked he looked good last week. I bet him in a head-to-head last week. Did not work. Now, I bet him the one before in Puerto Rico. He made the cup. That was about all he did. Uh, 6K, guys. I got... I was. I don't know if I'm going to play him, but Nick Taylor weirdly rated out well for me. I like Will Gordon a lot. Uh, $6,800. He's got the driving distance. I think he can score a ton. Sloan and Landry I have on a short list. I like Batia. At $6,400, and Hammer and Hank Lebiota, the bod, $6,200. Sneaky playing okay right now. Saw that price. I mean, that price is just, there's no difference to me between him and the guys in the upper sixes. So uh, I don't mind that, to be honest. It's, you know, you're incurring risk, of course, but how you're incurring risk with everybody here. What about Scott Stallings? 
he's someone he's not playing great, but the irons have been good. Uh, you know, he's missing cuts at, at pretty good tournaments. I feel that he's going to make this weekend at 6,600. I don't mind it. I can see it. Whatever happened to Doc Redmond? Uh, yeah, he was him and Sam Burns were the same person until they weren't. Um, oh, ben, I, I ben, don't know. Ben Martin is in this field. Oh, I know. Ben Martin is not the craziest idea. It's close to the craziest idea, but he played good at Corrales. You mentioned something. I don't even know what it meant, but it seemed good about Ben Martin playing well here. I don't think it's that crazy. I mean, these guys, they only have a a handful of starts. And again, this is a course seems to respond to his game. Now the form it's a step up from what he's been doing. And historically in this event, it doesn't seem good, but he is Bermuda Benny. Uh, there's not much down here. I, I think if you're going to take some flyers, you could at least consider him. I'm trying to see how Lebiota has played. He has a 17th at Valero uh, in 2019. His decent start didn't gain strokes putting, but he never gained strokes putting. That's really been his Achilles heel lately. He made the cut at Pebble because he was able to putt that week. Everything else, good irons, decent driving, just big-time loser in around the green uh, and in strokes gain putting. But 6200 bucks just seems really cheap and if you do want to you know pile in start with Hideki go with answer go with Tringali you know at 6200 bucks it would open up I actually think Batia is the better play at 64 though because just looking at some of the players that have done well at this course they also do really well at Safeway and that's where Batia had his best career finish at a top 10 there hmm. interesting yeah I mean there are na- I will say if the sixes is interesting this week in the sense there's actually some pretty appealing names up and down the pricing of it uh God, I wanted to go to Kramer Hickok, but he's really fallen off a cliff. He had a little run at the end there of 2020, and now no dice. Um, what about Austin yes. Eckrote? Uh, yeah, no, that's that's not it, man. Who who the hell is that? Uh, I think he was like a decent amateur. He has one start. He started, yeah, he played at Mayakoba and came 12th, and this is his Austin next start. Eck- isn't that the? Uh, isn't there an actor, the guy who played? Uh, in the Batman movie, what's his name? I should Something know Eckert. The, the guy from Thank You for Smoking, Aaron Eckhart. Aaron, there, maybe they're related. Who knows? Uh, um, what about Tom Lewis? You, you look at him at all with the random number generator that he is? No, that's that's more of a Feinberg guy. Okay, he was just the only thing that caught my eye at Honda. His irons were really crisp. Then he made another cut, you know, after at Corrales. I'm not saying I think it's pretty thin to be honest, but at least his his approach game has been ticking upward. All right. So Eck wrote Eck wrote. He's an amateur. He well, missed the missed the cut at the 2019 U.S. Open and came T12 at Mayakoba. That's it. That's all I got on. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's like minus 10,000 to not have a pitcher on DraftKings or to have like John Hose headshot because john like populates people him for whatever reason like the asian golfers um if you're of asian descent you just weirdly get put in populated into the DraftKings system underneath other players sad yeah this guy faceless um he is next to yeah wesley bryan is there bo hostler that's a no glickage yeah, there's just not a lot down here stenson um i for totally forgot about, about, i totally forgot about stenson can you believe he's just chilling with Christoph Ventura now? Ventura, Scandinavian so I, crew. I, I bet Ventura as first round leader. I think he does enough of the right things that you want at this course to like potentially be a first round leader. I don't know if he can hold it together, but 
he does seem like someone with talent, doesn't he? I mean, he definitely, you know, Oklahoma State guy, aggressive. There was a time not that long ago that I thought Cam Davis's game was very similar to his, and this is what happens. These guys, they find form and they can catapult up. So I get it there. Obviously, the recent form, not good. Know, it's not good, but he makes a lot of putts, it seems. So, again, showdown, maybe something like that. Not, not bad. Sneds is also in this field. Hmm. Is he in the, he's not in the masters, is he? Snedeker? I don't, I didn't think so, but I haven't even looked at the the pricing. Yeah. I don't think that he's in the masters, but how would he, yeah. How would he be in? Who knows? Like maybe some like weird top 10 somewhere, like every once a year at this point, like he'll pop up and have a super hot putting week. What happened to Snedeker? Uh, Yeah. I don't, I don't know now. Like when he the same thing, he used to hit it onto the rocks and then it would be a highlight because he'd make birdie. Now he makes double and no one cares. Uh, his off the tee game, of course, has always been weak, but he doesn't make up for it with really anything now. Um, this guy's not in the field, but I, speaking of what happened, what happened to Bud Cawley? He got hurt. I think he was in a car Again? accident, maybe. No, I don't think he ever came back from the injury, did he? I thought he was back. I think he like, came back and then he was still hurt. So he went back on like medical leave. See, I thought he got COVID. Oh, maybe he did. And then just no more, but like I, I, it's hard. I'm not used to filling out six golfers every week. Cause like my lineups, I just play him, but now it's a whole new 2021 for me. He's not played in months though. I don't think <sighs> this tournament seems like such a crapshoot, and all the chalk is congregating all in the exact same places. Like, what do you do in a week like that? Like, do you try to find one or two spots to pivot and just kind of ride the chalk or what, what do we do here? Cause we know that some of it is going to be good. Absolutely. So I think it's totally misguided to fade the chalk like that. What I kind of do is uh, the way I do it with lineups like this is I build what I would say is a cash lineup. And then depending on how risky I want to go, uh, I'll 2v2 it, I'll 3v3 it, maybe I'll even 4v4. Like I build it as if like here's the most vanilla foundation and now how can I change it up? Where can I leverage? How can I be unique? Can I take two guys out and make a wet a wave stack? Can I take three guys out and make a bomber heavy stack? But I always want to maintain some solid ownership because those guys are most likely to at least make the cut and play pretty well. Yeah, just looking at it right now, too, if you do start, let's say you just start your lineups with, I mean, if you start with Hideki, you're going to get an ownership break regardless because few people are just starting their lineups with Hideki. But Answer is going to be highly owned. Answer and Connors are both going to be highly owned. But if you started your lineups with one of those guys, it probably doesn't make a difference because, you know, the types of people that are, most people are going to start with one of the $10,000 guys straight up. So if you start in the nines, you're probably going to be pretty unique as it is. Oh, no doubt. I mean, there's a lot of ways to do it. And that's the other part. I, I say this a lot, but I strongly believe it. It's not the players themselves. It's the lineup itself. Like you can have some chalky players, but if you do something that's really odd with them, well, that'll work. And even leaving some money on the table, like you could have a lot of chalk and have it land on an awkward number. It's probably okay. Uh, I'm not saying it's the best strategy, but there's a lot of ways to do it. And in a field like this, it's wide open for the bottom half to make a serious impact in terms of placement points. 
All right, that will do it on the Pat Mayo Experience 2021 Valero Texas Open DraftKings picks and preview. Noon Eastern time on Mayo Media Network. Wednesday, a final betting card. Now I just added Weisberger to it. I have way too many fucking bets. Yeah, that's right. They're all like, I think the the shortest number, actually I ended up betting answer when right when DJ withdrew. Because I was like, oh, I'll catch a decent number on him. Although he didn't fall all that far. He's still like 22 or 20. I got the 25. But, you know, I've been betting answer anyway. I might as well just keep fucking riding the train to Loserville with him. But everyone else is like 40, 50, 60. So hopefully one of these bombs can come through and Spieth just doesn't run away with it. Do you? Does it feel like a week where one of the bigger names wins? Or is it like classic Valero where rising good for mid-tier golfer wins? To me, uh, and again, of course, this is just a hunch. It feels like rising mid-tier. I always think, and this is probably just me thinking this, that these guys, even if it's subconsciously, work on things that they they are going to need next week more than. I'm not saying they're not trying to win, but it's just there's so many scenarios where they're not in contention or they start slow, and it's just like, okay, let me get some good reps in. Whereas, you know, for someone in the mid-tier this is a career changer and that's just not the case for the first four guys on this list. Let's take a quick break so I can tell you about Magic Spoon because you know that I've been trying to cut down on carbs and sugar and unhealthy food somewhat successfully, not all the way successfully, by the way, but I basically realized I couldn't eat anything anymore. So protein shakes, the powders, that's not really going to get me the protein I like because I hate it so much before and after the workouts. So I just made the switch to Magic Spoon because it has all the amazing flavors that I love, but without any of the bad stuff. Zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. Only 140 calories per serving, too. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. We've got exciting news. Magic Spoon will be releasing two new amazing flavors this month, For a limited time only, we're talking about cookies and cream and maple waffle. And if that isn't the most comforting, indulgent combination, then I don't know what is. This is the ultimate treat yourself combo. So make sure you get some while you can, because it's only on for a limited time. Or you can just build your own box. Available flavors to build your very own custom bundle are coca, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, and cinnamon. If you're listening from Canada, Magic Spoon now ships there as well. Great news for me. Uh, I highly suggest you get fruity, by the way, because it rules and it's the best. You should definitely get fruity. Don't even worry about the, the box to build on your own. Just get a whole bunch of fruity Magic Spoon. So go to magicspoon.com slash mayo to grab a new limited edition cookies and cream, maple waffle, or a custom bundle of cereal to try out today. And be sure to use our code, promo code MAYO, at checkout to save $5 off your order. This offer is good anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, but only when you use code MAYO at checkout. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, I can back them on that, because it's back with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash mayo and use the code mayo to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. Ben Rosas, who has not seen the Masters DraftKings pricing yet. I'm sure they're going to make you do this over at Osmo, but you've distinctively not seen the pricing yet. I'm just going to read it out to you and have you react to it. Okay. Yeah, no, this is, uh, I didn't even know it was, it was live. You told me and uh, I'm excited to hear this. Okay. So Dustin Johnson, most expensive player. He is $11,500. 
Rom is 11,000, Bryson's 10,8, JT is 10,6, Rory is 10,2, Xander, $10,000 even. Just first thing you think about when you hear that, who's the good price? Uh, JT would be where I would be drawn. Not Rory at 10,2? I, I mean, Rory is go. I Listen, I'm... I've been waiting. I'm playing Rory. There's no doubt about it. I think that's where he should be priced, though. I mean, he showed a little at the match play, but still expectations are a little a little lower at this point. And then there's Xander, who, of course, feels overpriced. He'll be 40% owned. Uh, and he'll it's come just a third. question of if he... Yeah, <laughs> third or second. Um, that's really what we're dealing with. And then do you... I know we're going to get into plenty of Masters things. Do you worry about this, like, potential baby situation with Rom? little bit, but I mean, the baby swag won me all the money back in the day with Danny Willett. Maybe that's exactly what Rom needs to kick his ass and go okay. win a major. See, there you go. Cause what he's, you said over 11,000, right? Yeah. You know, he's even 11,000. Dustin's, Dustin's at 11,5. Do you think that people, I think that there's going to be a group mindset. They're like, Oh, Dustin's not playing well right now. He's basically Rory. Like no one's going to play Dustin. Then we just look and Dustin's like the highest owned guy. I think, yeah. And I think particularly, um, maybe in a very large field, lower dollar, maybe not as much, but as you get up there, people are going to play Dustin. Um, you know, he withdrew from Valero and I think that still is, is not going to move the needle enough. He's, he's still going to be very, very popular. Yeah. There's still going to be one name added potentially into this field. If someone is not qualified yet and wins Valero, they will get their pricing updated on Monday, I believe. So you have to check back for that. Thomas or Dustin feels like the highest owned to me, or Xander. That leaves Bryson, Rom, and Rory. Do you think people will be off Bryson because of what happened at Augusta in November? Maybe this is just me that feels like so long ago. Um, it does. And since then, it, I, like, I truly think that any, any residual from that has been washed away. When people think of Bryson, they think him hitting over the lake now. Like, that's, that's just the new memory right now so he does feel i think a little overpriced and he was like third right yeah um but i i would tend to say that most people go to jt but all these guys as usual will carry ownership of course yeah rory strikes me as probably the one that people will get pensive about but then everyone will talk about how no one's owning rory then rory will end up 17 percent. this always happens with rory every it's a, talk about a tradition like unlike any other um and then he's hit in, in the azaleas I, well it, it's listen, funny it's, like three players the past three masters have two top five finishes i think it is and it's rory dustin and cam smith so he's still good cam's cam smith of course why wouldn't it be cam smith um yeah listen rory the course is made for him. It's going to happen eventually. Uh, and maybe the recent form is overblown. Obviously, he's working through some things with the swing. There's no doubt. But can he conjure it up for, for four days? I would say yes. The 9Ks, it starts with Cantley. He's 98. Then Morikawa, mm-hmm. Spieth, Reed, Brooks, Finau, Webb Simpson. So that, that's dicey. Spieth might be the highest owned player at the Masters, especially if he has a good week at Valero. Only 9400 bucks. The Masters, people want to... He's already down to like 12 to 1 to win the Masters, so everyone's going to play him on DraftKings. I don't... And I'm part of this. I don't love Morikawa at the Masters, but every time that people just get off Morikawa, he wins. I think the move is Brooks. If Brooks plays, that just gamble that his knee's okay and play him. 
Yeah, it's, uh, it, what's his – that's what I was, of course, going to ask, like, everyone. Um, is he even playing? But We don't know. Nope. Yeah. What about, I mean, the formula that – I mean, of course, I'm biased, but Reed. Patrick Reed was in there, right? Yeah, he's 93. So can you describe your six-figure win at the Masters with Patrick Reed for people who may not know? Yeah, I mean, that was a formula that I, I think a lot of people – they looked at Reed's course history and they weren't really there. And this is a guy that I always feel is a little under owned and under kind of respected because people don't like him. So I leveraged with him and I had Rory around him and some other guys that were able to, to hang in and, and Reed obviously got it done led to a breakthrough for me. And, and I, of course he's a little more priced up now, but I think that concept still holds. Like if he's around, you know, if he's sandwiched or near Morikawa and Cantley and those guys, uh, Reed is someone who can win. He gets it done. Um, and his form to me is not really relevant. He just gets going. And he's, he's a true grinder. How much stock do you think you were going to put into that November Masters? Because I'm already hearing rumors that it's so fast and so firm right now that it might be the fastest greens and the firmest greens that the Masters has ever had. Just hyperbole because no one's there yet. Mm-hmm. But are you going to put stock into, like, when you go back and look at, like, Tiger is such an outlier with his win in 2019. But if you go back and look at all the other past champions when it's held in April, and even last year, like, it's generally the the winner of the Masters is a top 30 or top 20 player in the world. Uh, even Danny Willett was. People kind of forget that because the odds were so big, but just he was at that point because he'd been playing so well. That's the reason that people were betting him. The books just didn't catch up in time. And then you have, they probably have won somewhere in the calendar year already or have like multiple top tens in the, like the month and a half previous to coming in. Like, do you think that holds true? Because I'm looking at last year's Masters and that's kind of the other one. Like basically a top 30 at the Masters before is a place to look. And, you know, Reed was 10th, Connors was 10th, Webb Simpson was 10th. Like Connors will be popular. I don't think Webb Simpson will be popular at all. Was he even, did you even mention his price yet? Uh, no. I don't think so. Maybe he was 9,000 even. Uh, no. Yeah, no, yeah, he is 9,000 even. Okay. Yeah, I mean, listen, the Masters, you can do a lot of, you know, different types of builds, rising and soft, but there's a lot of guys uh, who who have, you know, they, they haven't broken through, but I kind of like that. I think getting some experience, I mean, Reed, of course, has one, but you've got guys like that. Cantlay, of course, you know, he's been pretty close. He was fine in the November one. Um I don't mind it. And I, and most of these guys aren't playing. So Spieth is one of the few that I think some things will shift depending on how he plays at Valera. Yeah. And that's the same. Like Scheffler is in the $8,000 region. He's 8,400 bucks. Like if he and or Finau top three at Valero, like their ownership is going to spike through the roof or, or, or even Hideki who's or 80. De- yeah. Who's 83. Absolutely. Because I think people will be on Scheffler either way. He had a good Masters. He's coming off a good match play. But, like, Hatton is 89. Westwood is 88. I can't imagine people are going to use those two guys. Westwood is 88. Okay. Um, Yeah, I mean, I shouldn't. Every time I say this, he follows it up with another fantastic performance. But that seems a little much. Where is Hovland? Hovland is next. He's 87. I like Hovland a lot here. It's funny because I like I yeah. like Morikawa more than I like Hovland. I just think that Hovland's game and even Neiman's game is far more tailored for Augusta than maybe Morikawa's is. Yeah, I would agree. Um, Hovland is someone I certainly will have uh, taking a close look at. And yeah, there's it's going to be, listen, it's it's the Masters. You're going to have soft pricing. You're going to have a, your teams are going to look great. 
we'll see what the conditions are. I'm more tending to to look at the historic than than this November one we got last uh, last year. So uh, M is 86, Berger is 85, Scheffler, Matsuyama, Cam Smith, Fitzpatrick, and then Tommy Fleetwood at 8,000. Weird pricing for Fleetwood. Like he shows life and then he just absolutely gags. It's, it's tough with him because they like the upper sevens is loaded with guys that everyone's going to want to play. I was going to say, so like you've read off the eights and I'm trying to think in my mind of who you haven't mentioned. Uh, there's a lot of guys that I thought you would have mentioned already, to be honest. Well, it's funny because if we go to the upper sevens, like you could play a team of these first six guys and not feel bad about your team. Sergio, Bubba, Casey, Scott, Day, Louie are the next six guys. Yeah, so all guys that I play dangerously frequently. You haven't even said Neiman yet, right? Neiman is next. He's 74. Huh. Answer's 74. Okay. Zalateros is 73. English Justin Rose is 72. No idea if he's going to play or not. Billy Ho is 72. Wolf and Homa are 71. Molinari, Vic Perez, and Shane Lowry are all 7,000. I mean, this is why... Conceivably, I mean, uh, I want to look at the pricing, of course, and see what's what. But it, it seems like you you could certainly start with a couple of guys up top and find very playable guys even down here, no problem. Just trying to think. Neiman has played the Masters, but he played it as an amateur. I have that right, I think. Now I have to go look at he, it. Did he play it in November? No. No, he. I don't, I don't believe he qualified. Him and Berger were the two that didn't qualify for the Masters, despite should have having been in the Masters based on their play like post-COVID break, but they hadn't yep. qualified at the end of March. So we didn't see them last time around. Uh, Hovland wasn't in either, was he? No, he definitely wasn't. No, but Hovland played as an amateur, and he was the low amateur. I think Neiman was as well. I just remember being enamored with Neiman the year that he was at the Masters. Um, only because like, it was just like, oh shit, like this guy's actually pretty good. Let's see Dell technologies, 2019 Valero, Texas open. How far back can I go with him? Oh Jesus. He has Neiman has stats and like results dating back to 2004. When he was like 12, he missed the cut at the masters in 2018. So he has played it before, but it was as an amateur. He has not played it as a professional as of yet. So that's interesting to see. Hmm. I mean, he's, I'm a huge long-term buy because Neiman is still in his early twenties, plenty of experience. He's going to be just fine at Augusta for many, many years. What do you make of that? Like Bubba, Cam Smith, Sergio, Casey, Scott, Day, one of those guys is going to be in the mix. Can you, can you just, no doubt about it. Can you just please tell me which one it's going to be? It's going to be Paul Casey, um, who, in theory, does some good things. He was on, I mean, again, biased. He was on that Reed team. Um, I loved him at the players. I was absolutely convinced he was going to win. And I thought he got a raw deal, to be honest. It was his own doing. It was just, uh, he's playing very well. And if he's sub 8K, I will be going there for sure. You want to know the most hilarious price on the board? I think this is it. Let's see. Ian Woosnan. No, 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 no. It is not Ian Woosnam. Ian Woosnam is... Um, oh, he's not playing. Okay, well... well sorry, guy. Uh, at $6,200, we have... Let's see here. Brendan Todd, someone named... I think this is an amateur. Tyler Strafasi. Um, Brian Gay is $6,200. So is Henrik Stenson. 
He's a hundred dollars more than Langer and Couples. Maybe he'll win at Valero, and then he'll be like fifty. Per- so if hypothetically this would never happen, but say Stenson won at Valero, how popular do you think he would be? Oh my God, fifty percent owned. <laughs> I would kill. I would pay so much money for that to happen. That would make the Masters maybe the most profitable tournament ever. Oh, man. Yeah, it's just amazing how locking in pricing early can really dictate if something outlier like that happened. So straight up, I think Spieth probably generates the most ownership based on his price point and just overall popularity. I think Connors might be second, unless he completely bombs at Valero. He's 6900 bucks. He's playing great. He has a great Masters track record, and he's cheap. That is the perfect formula. Absolutely. And and yeah, he was great in the November version. Everything, there's really no red flags in the price. He's going to fit every type of build. So no doubt that ownership will amass with Corey Connors. I think I can get behind Leishman at the same price. He's 69. Fratelli okay. also played well at that November Masters too. He's 67. Yeah, I mean, Fratelli does, he can get crazy hot. Um, where's Phil? Is he down with the uh the creative player, whoever you said, Tyler? He, he's slightly more than him. Phil is sixty six hundred bucks. Are you are you digging? Like you could dig, no. you could dig Phil at sixty six, but like Stuart Sink is sixty one hundred. Like Stuart Sink's not bad. No, I mean the Masters is always an interesting field because it's such an easy cut to make, and then you've got. A handful, I, I like I said, I don't know if, if Woosden's not playing, I assume some of those guys who have like virtually no chance are playing and then it, it really shrinks it. So if you can get a, a regular tour player down there, it's not the worst idea. Uh, Sink last played in the Masters in 2019, missed the cut. It was 2014 before that, but he had a nice run, 50th, 25th, 14th. And obviously this is, I mean, he's, it's funny that he hasn't qualified for the Masters just once in the past six years. Cause it feels like the entire time that we've been playing DraftKings, Stuart sink has been a value at $6,700, like the entire time. Yeah. I mean him and he, it also seems like him and Kevin now win like 25% of the events on tour somehow. Uh, so it's like, they should have been in this event many, many times over, but I don't know if you'll need to go that low, but again, if he's down there with, like Sandy Lyle esque players or whoever. He he, he's the he's the same price as Mike Weir and O Osborne. O Osborne, who? That's yeah. certainly not a former Masters champ. No, uh, uh, VJ is the same price. Langer Couples the same price. He's a he's a hundred dollars more than Herman and Ola Thobel. Ah, Ola Thobel. There you go. O Osborne. Um, I'm I'm gonna have to do some research, but yeah, those guys are not really playable and Stewart think at least is in theory playable do we take a shot on bobby mack sixty seven hundred dollars masters in here. Ma- masters debut i i didn't follow my own advice at the match play where i said this course really sets up for lefties really well and then of course all three lefties make it out of the group stage like the Masters sets up for lefties bobby mack is a big hitting lefty i think it's more advantageous for him at this course because he's a bomber rather than someone like brian herman for example but 6500 bucks ain't bad 65 yeah i mean that's something you're gonna again at any tournament no matter what you're talking about you're gonna have to do something that's a little against the grain and he's a guy it would it be shocking for him to struggle first time out there no but 
think he's got some upside. I guess Champ would be another one. Uh, he's, I assume, somewhere in the sixes. Yeah, he's 66. 66. Okay. So, like, depending on maybe he flashes some form at Valero, that would have me maybe feeling a little better about going to someone like Champ, who, of course, can be quite aggressive. Hmm. Kokrak, Leishman. I mean, I guess I'm thinking... I don't know where like the narrative is at, at with him now, and maybe his Valero will kind of dictate this. But Kucher is sixty eight hundred dollars. Yeah, Kucher. I mean, there was a time not that long ago where Kucher would be like, I don't know, maybe like mid sevens, and he was the freest of squares at Augusta every year. Um, now, I think you can consider stuff like that. I mean, these guys. I did that last year in, no, in the November Masters with like Ian Poulter types. Uh, and I got caught up doing it with Kisner, which did not work. But I, obviously, if Kucher finds some form, sub seven, he could be a, a building block. Maybe even cash, people will go there if he shows a lot of form coming off what is an uptick. I know this is probably not a great cash strategy, but can I interest you in a player in the $6,000 level who's never, in the past three years, has made the cut each time with the 24th, 21st, and 34th at Augusta National? Sounds like something I'd be interested in. And if he wins, he doesn't have to go to the military. Ooh, so he's Korean. Woo! There he is. He was on my November Masters team, and he played pretty well. It's a nice spot for him. Especially if he kind of fails at Valero a little bit. Like, are are you really going to get sucked into Siwoo Kim? Oh, you know, he can't play well a week after he WDs at Valero or whatever the fuck happens with him. Like, yeah, I would hope he he, plays bad. Yeah. You don't really look into it, but he kind of fits the narrative of the players that you want made the cut at the masters the year before he's already won on tour this season. He has a little bit of Augusta pedigree. And when you look at what he does well, when he's going well, it's amongst like the best in the world. No doubt about it. I mean, like I said, I targeted him in November and I I was pretty happy with how he played. I didn't think it was bad. He's won. I mean, this is a guy who dominated the players. We know he can get it done. I'm trying to think of other, I'm looking at right now the the results of the 2020, you know, the November one. Um, Where's, what about like, what about Munoz? Oh, poor Munoz broke my heart. There's a few of them. I had him uh, 2,500 to one plus in each way. And I was like, just hold on to that top five, Seb. He couldn't do it. But it was a nice effort uh, on his behalf. Like him, Pan was really good at the November Masters somehow. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Answer was really good until the final day. Like there's a couple guys that popped out. The only one that I would really buy into long term, I think of it's like the random people that popped up. And maybe they'll look like Cam Smith. Obviously, there's something about this course that he can get around with. It fits his eye really well. I, I'm just kind of there with Sung Jay as well. He came second at the Masters. I don't see why this would be any different. Yeah, Sung Jay is just a well-rounded player apt to, you know, there's no real conditions that I think are a red flag for him. So I'm in line there. I think I think you kind of described it right off the top. Brooks is one of the many questions we're going to need answers to if he's in, if he's out. Uh, I rarely, if ever, play Brooks in majors, but that's because he's over-owned. I would probably take a strong look at rolling the dice if he is in. The last one, uh, 13th of the Masters in last time around, 46th before that, miscut, 55th, 12th, 59th, 12th. So maybe he's due for a miscut or a 55th, apparently. Kevin Na, also in the sixes. Yeah, everyone, I guess everyone hates, like, what was the, uh, I saw Kevin Na making waves on, in, during the match play, causing a ruckus. Yeah, I was on Team Kevin Na with it. 
but that's me. I, yeah, I, I didn't even know I saw a little of it. I wasn't even paying attention, but Kevin Na is a guy that when he, he to me, he wins more. I just said this. He wins more than he should. He can, he can do it in a different way. I don't particularly like him, but uh, at, at the same time, he's got experience around here and he can, if he makes the cut, a lot of times you're just looking to not screw it up because the masters, you know, that mid tier can certainly win. I wouldn't be stunned if, you know, that type of player ends up wearing the green jacket. All right. Well, I'm happy I was able to talk this through with you. I at least this have, is... I have a better sense of the pricing now. I think of what I want to do. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited to look, uh, I, you know, I retained most of it, but I'm still like, wait, where is this guy? Um, but Xander, that's, I already know that's going to be a problem no matter what I do. Can we just have one of these weeks where he misses the fucking cut? Please. Oh, he, he just did. You know why? Oh, yeah, I used because him that I, week too. Players. Yeah, yeah. He was, yeah. I was like, oh, Xander, this is, this is the spot. Weren't, weren't. Um, I don't know what to make of him. It's truly a, a problem, but at the masters, you always run into that. There's a lot of strong players and we'll have to sort through it. Do you think you'll get to Spieth? If he misses the cut this week and it's not something like if he had, say, like an ice cold putting performance, I probably I don't know. I mean, there was like back in the day we've been doing these shows for a while. You used to say even when you just play speed at Augusta, just do it. Um, do you think you'll get to him thinking about it? Yeah, it's tempting. I mean, he's been great. He and, was, and I played he, him at the players. He's going to be awesome. The, he's going to be the highest owned guy. And I. I, I think that just that is sort of a steadfast rule. Like it is Augusta play Jordan Spieth. That, yeah, I, I'm interested to see what happens. Like, God, what if he, he's another one? What if he wins at Valero? I don't think it's really going to affect that much, to tell you the truth. Like I say, unless he withdraws with an injury, it's not going to affect his ownership. Like he's so he's so cheap because he's not for one thing. He's ninety four hundred dollars. Like he's expensive. But in people's minds, like the general public who are entering the Millionaire Maker tournament, be like Jordan Spieth should be eleven thousand dollars. Like what's going yeah. on here? It's true. Um, and when you play him, you could take five other guys that you know, uh, and that of course is appealing to people. So. I totally get it, and I'm not ruling it out. I just – I tend not to do that, uh, particularly with, like, the 9K range. Webb Simpson. I think that might be the one. $9,000, former major winner. We know he can putt. Just go have a week, Webb. And he's not the skill set that I like for the Masters at all. <laughs> no, he's – I mean, I don't think he's the ideal skill set, but – I could I could get on that. I'm not a I'm not a guy who plays web a lot, but the, these are the type of situations I tend to play him. The ownership I don't think will be there. The price is very appealing, and he's a world class player. There's no doubt about it. Trying to work through my lineup now. So, Web Patrick Reed, Web Reed, Hovland, Sung Jay, see woo, and then Nina. you probably still have a pretty good amount of salary. Yeah, I'd probably still have like an upper sevens. Like Bubba, let's go. Paul Casey. That that'll be that is what it's going to come down. I'll let you know who I don't take between those two, Bubba and Paul Casey. But uh, I'll probably lean, I'll probably lean Bubba. There's a lot of options right there, or you could take Louis and just potentially not even uh, get off the ne- runway. Never take Louis. It never happens. I don't know why That's either. Smart. I mean, you value your mental health, and I respect that. All it's right. uh, times are tough. 
All right. Well, hopefully we didn't blow the entire DraftKings show for next week, but we'll get Rick. <laughs> yeah. We'll get Rick on the line. The three of us will bang it out. That'll be coming up. You can subscribe to the newsletter to find out when that's actually dropping because we hope we might be able to get it out a little bit early for people in the week. Uh, and what you got going on over at Osmo right now? Yeah, obviously it's a great time, particularly in the golf world, of course, with baseball and basketball. The, the team has you covered, but in my world, we've got PGA. And if you want to just come over just for the week, we have weekly passes, awesomeone.com slash join. You get the ownership, the projections, all of Alex's tools, all that premium content. So we'd love to have you guys stop in, even if it's just for the week. Uh, and for me, if you want the most customizable stat engine on the planet, plus all the tools, fantasynational.com slash mayo to get yourself 20% off. Also a brand new one and done, Ben. Something, something for you to join. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah. I, I haven't tweeted it out yet, but you can find the link to that in the description of this video and pod. Uh, it's 1,100 spots, $100 to play. Masters to British Open, one and done, 17 events. Fun. I need that because I was doing all right, and then I seemingly somehow forgot to set my lineup for the players. That was very dumb. Yeah, it happens. You have, it happens. To, you have to subscribe to the text alerts. I'm going to do that for this one. Smart, smart going. Uh, rate and review the show, smash the like, and give me your favorite pricing for the Masters in the comment section. That'll do it for me. Thank you for watching. I'm Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time. Experience! Experience!